Matthew 6, 9. Matthew 6, 9. The, the disciples are saying to the Lord, Dear Jesus, teach us to pray. Isn't that a beautiful question? Isn't that a beautiful seeking? It needs to be the seeking of our hearts, girls. It needs to be, Lord, teach me, teach me. And now this is what the Lord teaches. Ready? It's going to come in a question that you must answer because it's been what we've been talking about in steps as the Lord teaches us to pray first things first. You know how you always have to get first things first. If you don't get first things first, you're going to have a mess. And so God, Jesus says to his disciples, this is how you pray. Our Father. Our Father. What that does, it calls me into remembrance of who I am and whose I am. And with that intro to getting back to where we were two weeks ago, and wasn't that... Missionary Markle, a blessing last week, girls. I know we all groan when we can't have class. I love having class more than anybody else. But our missionaries, oh, and what a blessing that was last week. So with the Lord's Prayer in mind now and going back to what we have taught on for the last number of weeks as we're in this theme, Lord, teach me to pray. <clears throat> he begins with our Father, and that reminds me, who I am. What's your name, girls? Holy. Oh, come on. What's your name? Holy. Your name is Holy. Your name is Holy. It's our Father's name. With the first two words, our Father, when I remember that immediately, it grounds me and it secures me. Because not knowing who I am is about the saddest thing that can happen. You know, it's literally, it's Alzheimer's. I don't think there's anything much sadder than dealing with Alzheimer's unless it would be spiritual Alzheimer's. Not knowing why I am, not knowing who I am, not knowing where I am. My heart still breaks with the memory of my mom. Uh, mom was great until she's 90 years old. That's a pretty good track record. But after she turned 90, um, it went downhill rather quickly, and uh, the last few months she was in a special care unit, Bavarian care, and I will never forget walking into her room, seeing her curled up on her little couch, crying, and saying, Dave, Dave, find me. Find me, Dave, find me. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know who she was. She wanted her husband, who had been in heaven for three years, to come and find her. And I ran in there with my coffee pot and my peanut butter cookies, and I knelt down beside her, and I said, Oh, Mama, it's Kathy. It's Kathy, your daughter. You're fine. You're fine, Mom. It's all going to be fine. And I set her up, and I said, Come on, we're going to have coffee. You know, that's my cure-all, coffee. <laughs> coffee and Jesus, just like the sign says, as you leave the room. And I said, Mom, I made your favorite cookies. And I set her up, and I poured her coffee, and I put it in her hands, and I sat down beside her, and I put my arms around her. And I said, Mom, I love you so much. And in my heart, I'm saying, I hate the devil. I hate the devil. Because, see, sin separated me from the love of my father. We were never meant to be separated. We are never meant to not know our Father's love. We are never meant to not know who I am and whose I am. 
But that's what sin did, because sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. And I love the fact that Jesus says, girl, child, daughter, you need to begin right here with these first two words, our Father. It assures you who you are and whose you are. So Jesus begins there, and he says, you begin there, Kathy, because Jesus wants me to know, ready, B-D-E. He wants me to know best day ever. And best day ever for dear Karen and best day ever for tomorrow as we lift up and trust two children that so desperately need their father's care. Jesus says, I'm here and I will accomplish this. Best day ever. Jesus came. And as he's teaching his disciples with these first two words, it's, you know, it's, it's mind-shattering when you think about it. He says, I am come that you might have life more abundantly. That's what you get. That's BDE. That's best day ever for today. So begin your first moments with reminding and rehearsing that salvation birthed me into God's family. The God of the ages is my father ready today. He's my father today. He tells me who I am, how I am, why I am, and when I am. And that takes us to our next point. I'm doing a capsulated review on all of these Bible studies. Knowing who we are takes us to the next point of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Dear Rose, I've, oh, you've got water. Okay, I was going to say, I haven't drank all day yet. It's my Father's name, and it's our name. It's our name as his children. He says, this is your name. Your name is holy. Hallowed be thy name, and I'm giving you my name. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, God's word says, Be ye holy as I am holy. It's the name I've given you, and now I'm going to equip you to live up to your name. I want you to remember your name because the name you are called determines who you become. Mm-hmm. The name you are called over and over, you begin to live up or live down to that name. Name calling is very powerful. And God says, yes, and you're my child, and I'm calling you by my name. You're holy. So as a newborn spiritual baby, now God's plan for you and me is to grow up. Tell the lady next to you, grow up. <laughs> Tell her kindly. That's what we're going to get into today. <laughs> First... First Peter 2 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And of that same chapter of verse 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Okay, call the lady next to you peculiar because that's what she is. <laughs> that ye should show forth, <laughs> that ye should show forth the praises of him, ready who hath called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Wow, no wonder we get to no wonder we get to walk brand new today, Judy. No wonder BDE, best day ever. I get to walk in his light. Now, verse 10 goes on to explain, which in time past were not a people. I was not chosen, I was not royal, I was not holy, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, now have obtained mercy. So Peter, in his very direct way, is saying, mercy, mercy, Kathy. Remember who you are. Mercy, you get to walk in light today. Mercy, you're chosen, you're holy, you're peculiar. You get to walk in the glorious light. 
Yeah, that too. So Romans 6.4 explains I'm not only free from the grip of sin, but I get to walk brand new. Now, we take the word describing it as milk. The word of God is described as milk. Why? Because that's the first thing a baby takes in, milk. It's the first thing we take in spiritually. The milk of the word is for the purpose, ready, of growing up. Now, understand, this is what you've got to grasp in your thinking skills. Growing only happens as I live in obedience to the word. Now, let me show you why, and you're going to all recognize this. (laughs) First in others and then in yourself, because that's the way we always think. (laughs) Growing up or growing bigger, if there's no obedience to the word, I don't grow up. I just grow bigger. I become a big spiritual baby. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know people who have not grown up, they've just grown bigger? They're faithful to church. They carry their Bible. They come to Sunday school. They sing. Well, we're going to sing in the choir again. Again, soon. That was my COVID word, soon. But the littlest things offend them. The littlest things make them upset. They go through agitated and frustrated. Okay, that's the biggest indicator that I am a big spiritual baby. I'm growing bigger. I'm taking in the word. I'm learning the word. I'm memorizing the word. I'm singing the word, but I'm not what? Applying it, obeying it. So with that in mind, think that because this is the precursor to everything that we're going to get to become. I begin to grow up, I begin to walk, I begin to learn Christ, but the first step is living up to my name, holy. Holiness is knowing what to put off and what to put on, and God writes it out in plain print for us. It's my first grade reader. God calls me to holiness first because the first and only thing that separates me from my father is my sin. Isaiah 59, my sins, my iniquities have separated us. And we won't naturally see our sin, girls. We won't, Don, it's so good to see you. We won't naturally see our sin as sin. And that's why we need to pray as David, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me. It's all for the point of living up to my new name, and the joy of walking with my Lord all day. Now, it gets even better. Sadly, instead of looking to God for the cleanness of my heart, you know what I do? I look at others. My son, or a son, asked his father, Dad, did you go to Sunday school when you were a boy? Yes, Johnny, I never miss Sunday school. Mm, Thought so. Probably won't help me either. Or often we're like the little boy who prayed, Dear God, I know you're really busy, so you don't really need to bother with me. And besides, I kind of like the way I am. <laughs> See, we, we are, we, that's how we are naturally like. <clears throat> Remember, now I gave you homework two weeks ago. It was Colossians 3 and Ephesians 4. It is packed with exactly what I need. It's the yah but how for holy living. It expressly, clearly tells me what I need to put off for the privilege of putting on. I'll never get to put on, Michelle, until I first learn to put off. It's huge. And I'm not going to put off because I'm naturally blind to it until I pray and I ask the Lord, Sarah, 
Lord, show me what's in my heart. Show me what's in my life. And remember I gave you that illustration about lying. By the way, it's the first thing the Lord deals with in Ephesians when he tells me to put off lying. It's the first thing he deals with because it's the first level in which we are continually fail on a daily basis. We lie to ourselves all the time. And I had a bunch of funny jokes to tell you about lying and the weight scale, but I'm not going to take time to do it. But, oh, girls, we are there. So, But I did tell you how we um, are trying to help a couple <clears throat> in their marriage because that wife lied about everything and anything. And she just would not see it because they were ready. Little things, inconsequential things. And as... She was given scripture to reveal the area of defeat in her life. She just wouldn't get it. She just wouldn't see it. She totally justified everything that the husband was saying because it was just, it was no big deal. And this is where we go. And in my heart, this had been about the third session with this couple, and I thought to myself, she just doesn't get it. She is blind. She just doesn't get it. And girls, immediately, the Holy Spirit asked my heart, do you? Oh, of course. Of course. I, wouldn't, I don't lie to Doug. I'm, I'm, not de I'm not deceitful. And girls, my reaction was so intense that it went back to the famous saying, methinks thou protesteth too much. <laughs> the Holy Spirit had a reason for that coming so clearly and I went, dear Lord, am I too blind? Yeah. You're blind. Your deceitful heart will continually cover up and justify. And I said, Lord, I am so sorry. And I'm seeing the consequence of a really sad situation. I said, Lord, I want you to reveal to me immediately when I lie or when I deceive. I want, I want you to just impress. I want you to cut my heart for what it is. And the next time I justify that, it's a little thing. I want, I want all the bells of heaven to ring. <laughs> this is it, Kathy. This is it. And you know, after I prayed that, by the way, that was the point in my marital life when I began to pray every day, search me, oh God. I understood. I'm blind. I'm naturally not going to see it. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us girls to reveal, to shed his light on that area that has me walking in darkness again so I can't walk in the glorious light. It's beautiful. It is so freeing. And so as I prayed that, even in, that, in the conference time, it was like boom. It was either the next day or the next day that... You know, it was the scenario of, of my husband coming home and saying, that sister of yours, she can't back out of the driveway without getting on the grass. Well, I didn't say anything. And immediately my heart said, well, you're not lying. You're, you didn't say anything. Because it wasn't my sister. It was me that backed up on the grass. And the Holy Spirit immediately said, Kathy. And I went, oh, dear Lord, there it is. I am so sorry. I, I confess it. You cast it out. You clean me. And I, and I ended up telling, and, and, you know, I went through that, listened to the podcast a couple weeks ago because we went in more detail on it. And it's so freeing. And it, was, and it was so right. It is the little foxes that spoil the vine. Now, this is an interesting parallel. God didn't use that, the animal fox on, on purpose and, and, and nor the word vine. 
The little foxes spoil the vine. In the New Testament, how is our Jesus described? He is the vine. He is the vine. It's the little things that spoil my connection, the nutrients, the everything that I need from the vine that he lovingly wants to pour into my life today. It's the little things that's going to stop that, block that. The difference between a trash day and a terrific day is a clean heart. Nothing clogging the connection to the vine. Now, my best day ever is not determined by the kind of day I'm having or the people in my day, but rather by the cleanness of my heart. So next time you're having a rotten day, check your heart. I promise you that's where the problem lies. The purpose of God working in through me. I confess he cleanses. I forsake he fills. Now, last time we met, you had a grizzly bear decorated as a honey bear. The question being... Grizzly bear or honey bear? Who will I be today? Both those bears live in us all the time. And when you ask that question, your most common response back is going to be, which bear will I be today? Well, it depends on my day. Or it depends on the outcome. Or it depends on the doctor's report. Or it depends on the sleep I get or not get. No, no. Or it's too early. There's all, No, none of that. No. It depends on my heart. Who will I be today, grizzly bear or honey bear? It's answered from my heart. When our day starts to go sideways in frustration, we ask, is it too much to ask to have a little less stress? <laughs> you know, and guess what? Life shouts back, yes. Yes, it is too much to ask. It is too much to ask. And the Holy Spirit says, child, it's not only too much to ask, but you're asking the wrong question. Now, here is a beautiful reference. If you have a pen in your hand, the reference is this. It's found in Psalm 50. And I'm going to start with verse 1. What I want you to get is in verse 15. But our Father says, child, learn to ask this. Next time, now today, this afternoon, when your day starts to go sideways, when you're disappointed, when an obnoxious thing or, Jen, when something unnecessary gets said to you that should not be said, from the littlest things to the big things, learn to ask this question. It's really simple. Father, how may I glorify you in this? Father, how may I glorify you in this? Instead of, how come my day's so rotten? How come this is not going right? How come this person is the way the person is? How come I am sad, mad, you fill in the blank? That's the wrong question. The question is, Father, how it totally will change the trajectory of where I go in the next five minutes. Father, how can I glorify you in this? When I do, the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us leaps up to show me exactly how I may be glorified. Let me, let me quickly go through this. Psalm uh, 50. It begins, the mighty God, even the Lord, the mighty God, get a hold of it, even the Lord hath spoken. Didn't you love Wednesday night's Bible study? Oh, it was so rich for my heart. It was the whole fact of thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. It was so good. And here we are with David saying, the mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken. It's going back to his word. What has he spoken? Well, he's called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. What is this saying? Every moment of your day, from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, 
is covered by the mighty God. Now secure yourself in that. He knows where I'm at in this moment. That's why when in this moment, that's not a, a moment that I wanted it to be, I say, Lord, how can I glorify you in that? And, and in three minutes, I've got to tell you how, because it's so exciting. Ready? God is in charge. So when the moments are less, go to verse 15. Here's how. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. <gasps> now get it. Why are we created, girls? For God's glory. Do you mean he's going to use my trouble to be the catalyst to fulfill the purpose of my life? Yes, yes, a thousand yeses. Don't think of it as trouble. Don't think of it as disappointment. Don't think of it as hurt. Think of it as an opportunity. Lord, I, how can I glorify you in this? Now, how does that happen? Most often and most visibly, it happens in our trouble or in someone else's trouble. It goes back to the honey bear or the grizzly bear. It also goes back to the honey. The bee is the producer of sweet honey, but the bee is also the producer of pain, stingers. It's a picture of life. Life is filled with stingers, and it is those very stingers that God wants to use to produce his honey in you and me. Honey is the purest food on earth. And God says, child, when you live in obedience to the word, because remember, that was thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me, in earth as it is in heaven. God, you reign in me. That is submission to obedience, to obeying his word. So when the stinger comes, God has a response he wants us to respond with. He says, and when you do, you're going to taste honey. You're going to taste honey every time. I promise you, I'm the mighty God who's in charge of every moment of your day. Let me read to you this. Ready? Here we go. The author says, I was in a long grocery store checkout line of about nine people, and the young woman running the cash register seemed to be stressed out. She was short with people. Some of them were short with her in return. She made no bones about the fact that she did not want to be working. Her mood was tense. The whole mood was tense and only worsened when she had a problem with her register, calling for the manager, causing further delays, and then there was a price check on somebody's groceries. It was taking so long, my bananas were no longer green. Okay, <laughs> so customers in line were grumbling about her bad attitude, which only made her ruder. Now, she should not have been rude to the customers, but her actions were so out of line, I knew something else was bothering her. There was obviously a deeper problem than stress, work stress. I decided to be a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem. Your yeah, but how, it's on your bear. The two grizzlies that live in, how do you put the grizzly in hibernation? You forbear instead of calling out the anger, always calls out the grizzly bear, or the frustration, or the walking away, or the silent treatment, or the many, 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 many things that are alive and well in our grizzly nature. God says, keep her in hibernation. She's a light sleeper, and she comes forth so easily. But I have equipped you. I have equipped you so that you can forbear. And forbear is always done in loving kindness. I gave you a sheet. And, and, and acting and actually looking forward to the next time that you can express loving kindness because that is what fulfills my purpose in living today. Jesus being seen in me. It's done when I choose to forbear 
rather than grizzly bear. Listen to what goes on. This is so beautiful. Be a part of the solution. Matter of fact, just in, in like two minutes, have you ever been around somebody who makes the problem worse? Who exasperates the problem? Who stretches the problem? Who builds the problem? How do they do it? They do it generally with words. Words like, now bring them to your mind. Words like, oh, I knew it was going to be terrible. I knew it wasn't going to turn out. Oh, you're always like this. That, that is being a part of the problem. What words? I, that grizzly is awake and well, and the grizzly is going to tear and devour. But I can choose. I can choose to forbear. And what words can I give that will edify? Let no corrupt communication, again, it's the thing of putting off and putting on. Let no corrupt communication come out, the garbage, but instead, let this come out, edify. This is a hard time. But you know what? By God's grace, we're going to see what he can do. Or when you're dealing with a rude person, smile and be kind back. Don't give, say not, I will do so to you as you have done to me. Again, it's a putting off and it's for the privilege of putting on. Well, oh, I had a whole list of things, but we only have two more minutes. Here we go. I can't wait for 10 o'clock. All right. Um, so this is, this is the rest of the story. He says, hey, when my turn finally came to check out, I smiled and encouraged her. I can tell you're stressed out about something. People are aggravating, but I'm here to tell you whatever the problem is, God has you in the palm of his hand. Girls, as we acknowledge God, God, how can I glorify you in this? Immediately acknowledge him to whomever and whatever you're dealing with. If it's yourself, acknowledge him to yourself. The mighty God who has called forth the morning to the evening. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. I'm at my rope's end. I can't wait for you to fill me up because I am totally empty. Or if it's a rude person, God, I pray for them. There's something so much more going on. Now, here's the ending. He says, God has you in the palm of his hand. He knows what you're going through, and he has a solution. Big tears streamed down her cheeks as she struggled to say anything, biting her lip, but then the words began to pour out. My baby is in St. Joseph's Hospital, and I am so worried. Then yesterday, my husband was laid off, and I don't know how we're going to make it. I asked her her name, and I said, may I pray for you? Right there in the express line, I prayed. Ten words. A man in the back line said, my good friend is the head nurse at that hospital. I'm going to call her and ask her to go check on your baby right now. The lady behind me, who had been grumbling and growling, walked around and gave the checkout clerk a big hug. The whole atmosphere changed because he decided to be a part of the solution. Girls, we all are part of the solution, but we have to choose every moment. Get excited about this afternoon about saying, I will edify, I will encourage, I will pray, and God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do because you are the mighty God in charge of every moment from the coming up of the sun to the going down. May you be praised. May you be glorified in me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Kathy at 4611 Dartmouth. In Jesus' name. Now, next time we meet, this is good. What's the next part of the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, I can't wait for us to get into it. <laughs>